Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker. It's been a while, and of course, we had to come back because some news hit the Falcons today, uh, and we're going to dive into it. We've got a smorgasbord of guests joining me on the podcast. I'm going to start from the very top. We're going to go alphabetical because right now I'm, I'm having a hard time getting my, my senses about me. We were all sort of rattled. Um, first up on the list, writer at the Falcoholic, Corey Woodruff. Corey, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, DW. Uh, I guess I would say glad to be here if it wasn't this, but uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here in like perpetuity, I guess. Yes. Uh, next up, my normal co-host for the post-game podcast during the season, one and only Evan Birchfield. Evan, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Uh, next up, uh, Gina Thomas, our normal co-host during the season, and uh fellow editor at the Falcoholic. Gina, what's up? Well, you know, uh, it's been a pretty crap Monday with all this news, <laughs> but <laughs> other than that, everything is great. Everything's great. All right. Last but not least, uh, fellow writer at the Falcoholic, uh, also formerly from AtlantaFalcons.com. That's going to matter. He's going to give us some insights on this podcast uh, into some of the intricacies of this story. The one and only Will McFadden. Will, thanks for joining, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh, excited to uh, to talk about Kevin's latest mock draft. I mean, that, that's why we're on here, right? <laughs> nothing, nothing else happened. Uh, no, no, yeah, we're, this is mock draft season. What are we talking about? Right. Um, this certainly has mock draft implications. <laughs> I've got to imagine. Oh my word! For those who have not heard, um, wide receiver Calvin Ridley has been suspended by the league for the entire 2022 season. Uh, he will miss the entire season. At this point, they're saying it's an indefinite suspension. Um, right now, presumably, uh, he'll come back, be reinstated in 2023, but uh, the, the text did say it was indefinite. Uh, so right now, we're just talking about 2022, the implications of that. Um, and obviously, the, everyone wants to know what caused this. Uh, the league made it clear that during his break from football for mental health reasons, Calvin Ridley bet on some NFL games, including games involving the Falcons. So we'll, we'll get into some of those details, but I'm going to open it up to the entire crowd here. Instead of calling on a particular name, um, what is your first reaction to the Falcons being down uh, a wide receiver who missed uh, the majority of last year and who was uh, the subject of many trade rumors uh, for the Falcons before this news dropped? Well, I want to get this off my chest, like right at the top. Um, the Calvin Ridley's decision to step away from football for his mental health is a separate issue from Calvin yes. Ridley gambling on football games. Um, you know, as you guys all know, I wrote a I wrote a piece about um, how 
Ridley's mental health is none of our business. I shared some of my family's history with mental illness um, and, and just kind of tried to explain why we should have empathy and give people the, the privacy and space that they need to recover and get healthy. Um, I just want to maintain that, you know, it is totally fine to criticize Calvin Ridley for betting on games. It is it made very clear to NFL players that that is not OK. Um, he had to know that there would be some kind of consequences if he got caught. And uh, he did it in a way that was actually fairly easy for him to get caught. And so, um, but I think that we really need to be mindful to look at this, the issue of him betting on games separately from his mental health. Yes. Thank you. I, I could not agree more. And I've, I've been uh, seeing a lot of this uh, to the responses saying clearly there were no mental health issues. And I'll be honest, it's the same people who are trying to minimize the mental health stuff to begin with. So I'm really not putting a lot of stock in what they say. But as you said, Gina, two things can be true at once. Um, Calvin could have clearly been struggling with mental health and also have made some poor decisions where his career was concerned and where all this is concerned. All right. So opening it up to, to everyone else here on the podcast, thoughts on this suspension and just your your thoughts around the implication, what this means for the Falcons, what this means for 2022, um, you know, the widespread sort of hit that this has on the team right now, because this is obviously a big, big move when people were looking at him as a potential, uh, you know, card for for trade deals. And now all of that is off the table. Yeah, I, I, I want to, um, I mean, I agree with everything that, <laughs> that Gina said. I like that first and foremost is, is most important in separating, you know, this incident, what we're talking about today and, you know, the mental health, the larger, um, part of that. And so both things can, can still be true. They're both important, um, for separate reasons, but from a, from a Falcon standpoint, I mean, selfishly, like for all of us, at least we know this now, like one of the big X factors for this team was, will Calvin Ridley be back or not? And, now we know the answer to that. Um, we, you know, we don't yet know whether or not a trade will happen. Will he be part of this franchise moving forward? But we know for 2022, as it stands right now, he is not part of this team. So that immediately makes wide receiver a very pressing need for this group. Mm-hmm. I mean, Russell Gage now becomes, I think, if he wasn't already, a priority free agent. Um, or maybe not. And maybe they view this as a chance to go in an entirely different direction. And then, you know, as we start talking about number eight in the draft, and I'm sure we're going to get to all of this eventually, like at what point does wide receiver now become a a legitimate option at, at number eight um, and a top 10 pick, you know, potentially getting somebody like that because what looked like a position of strength set up for the future. Now, all of a sudden is one of the biggest needs on this team. (laughs) Uh, It looks like the Falcons had a little bit of a a heads up that this was happening based on their um, release looked like February 9th, maybe was the, the date that they were made aware. So they've obviously known, They've had a little bit of a runway here to, to get a plan in place. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the wide receiver position group now, based on this news and, and what's come to light, is, is really, really um, a pressing need for this team. Yeah, Field Yates on Twitter put this out not too long ago. Falcons wide receivers are currently under contract, available to play in 2022. Alameda Zacchaeus, Frank Darby, Christian Blake, Chad Hansen, Austin Trammell, Braden Lenius. I didn't even know there was a Braden Lenius in the league. Um, and, and that's partly because, to your point, Will, um, Russell Gage isn't under contract. He is a free agent right now. 
Um, and or technically he will be when the league year opens if they don't get something done between now and next week. Um, Corey, Evan, what are your thoughts, guys, on on all of this? This uh, whole mess with Calvin Ridley. Corey, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Thanks, Ev. Um, you know, this is what kind of hits. Um, Jay Glazer just tweeted that um, a couple of teams thought they were close to a trade for Calvin Ridley recently, and then the wow. fans pulled back, um, knowing that he was going to be investigated as as a classy move by the organization, who's obviously known for being classy in situations like this. Um, this is a blow, I think, to a team that thought they had a wide receiver who was a very tradable asset who could have maybe even netted them a late first-round pick in the ideal situation, if not you know, a, a, first, a, th- a second or a third, um, or a guy they could have potentially gotten back on the field and not had to worry about. I mean, this is a team with a lot of holes right now and not a lot of money. They've got ways to open up space, but, I mean, it's a blow. Like, you can talk about the historic implications of Calvin Ridley being one of the five NFL players in history to be suspended for gambling. That's obviously – gigantic conversation um that wow. I, I know we'll have but like just the just the nature of another curveball for a regime that's trying really hard to avoid as many curves balls as possible as they're trying to implement their stuff and you know it, it's just it's gonna sting i mean you don't have something like this happen if it doesn't sting and even if calvin ridley wasn't destined to be a part of the falcons this year i think they would have liked to had someone equivalent um, or at least some sort of like, you know, give and take for if we're not going to have Ridley, at least we'll have X, but now they just aren't going to have anything. So it's right. definitely going to make this off season a little bit, a little bit tougher. I don't think it's going to be like the end of the world, but it is going to make life harder. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's an important note about the team sort of pulling back. Um, and I wonder though, if they knew that if they traded him and, and then he did get suspended, if that would cause some issues that they didn't want to have to deal with as far as uh, you know, the other team sort of putting the screws to them and saying, Hey, did you know that this was going to happen? And I'm sure they didn't want that headache uh, on their hands. So, uh, but they, they did the right thing. I think they made the smart move in, in not trying to continue to pursue a trade with him uh, knowing that, you know, this investigation could yield, you know, a result like this. And um, you know, say what you will about Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, uh, I, I feel like it was the right move. It was a smart move. Uh, and, and like you said, classy. Uh, Evan, your thoughts on this whole mess with Calvin Ridley? Um, it's hard to add much more than what everyone said. Everyone, you know, I agree with what everyone said here. Um, it's just, I think everybody's instant reaction was WTF. Like things <laughs> just always seem to get worse and worse. Like, and, and you know, I, I respect the, addressing mental health and stuff like that. But when my mind, you know, going fully looking at the football side of things, like the Falcons, like, like they're not even doing anything and they get screwed. It's like, okay, we might be able to get a, um, you know, both parties move on. We might be able to get like a top pick in the upcoming draft. Um, and no, now we're getting absolutely nothing. Um, in that field, Yates tweet, you know, that that's such an awful situation like such a huge need now at receiver um which is funny because it's like just two years ago it's like you know we had julio jones and calvin ridley now matt ryan's going to enter you know next season with neither um alameda zacchaeus is a restricted free agent um christian blake restricted free agent and then that's like it 
Like, I mean, you might be able to bring back like Tajay Sharp and stuff like that, but man, I just, it, it just sucks. Like the whole situation just keeps getting worse for the Falcons. Um, yeah. You know, and now we just got a huge need, you know, receiver. Like we had all these other needs, you know, it would have been nice to finally address, address getting a pass rusher um, with, you know, having a top pick, but now you got a massive hole at receiver. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, I feel bad for the team. It's just like you're, I mean, like Calvin Ridley, I get the mental health and stuff like that, but he's such a talent. And to know he's not going to be able to play football next season for the team. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do this off season. Cause I mean, it, it, even if a move was made, um, they would have had, you know, to, to d- address that position, but at least they'd have a pick, a high pick to maybe, you know, grab a receiver in round one or two or whatever the compensation they got. Now it's just back to the drawing board on whatever the plans were, you know, um, with obviously Ridley not playing next year. Yeah. Um, uh, someone find Kyle Pitts and wrap him in bubble wrap until September, please. Uh, <laughs> God, <laughs> knock on wood. Lord, help us all. If, if uh, Yeah. You know what? I'm not even going to put that into the universe. Um, interestingly, Calvin turns uh, 28 this year, which means if he does get reinstated next year, he will be turning 29 in December of next year which is going to have an impact on his value um, from a, a trade uh, standpoint. It could be that the Falcons, I, I don't know. It, it's, you know, it's pointless to look that far into the future, but this certainly, this kind of wrinkle uh, is not what this new regime needed. Incidentally, I've seen a lot of people sort of dumping on the Falcons and on, you know, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. I do not know what they could have done differently. Um, this is just a bad situation. This is a bad situation that they did not create this. They did not want this. Uh, for those who are sort of, you know, dumping on the Falcons that, you know, they, this is sort of what you get. Like, I get it. You know, the Falcons have just a, a, an insane history of bad luck. But to look at Fontenot and Smith and think that somehow they brought this on, come on. I mean, get over yourselves, people. That's just such a stupid, stupid take. Um, I think they uh, handled it like as well as they, what do you, what do you want them to do? I know. I mean, like, exactly. They, Thank they, you. Will. They never, exactly. they never commented on it. You know, they kept everything private. Uh, you know, uh, we obviously have no idea how much interaction they had with Calvin, but they seem to be okay and comfortable with like giving Calvin as much space as possible, as much as he needed. Um, you know, and I like, I, I don't think that from an organizational standpoint, there's nothing more that they could have done because they really didn't do anything, which is kind of the point. They just treated him like he was not a member of their team. I'm sure that they were giving him as much aid as, as he was ever requesting. I'm sure that they weren't going to, you know, completely turn a blind eye to somebody who is part of their organization. But I mean, they had football games to win. They're, yeah. they're not sitting there worried about somebody who's not going to be helping them on Sunday. And this off season, they have just been, almost aggressive in how little they are saying about Calvin Ridley. So like uh, to, to blame Terry Fonda or Arthur Smith uh, in this, to blame really anybody outside of maybe a poor decision that, you know, uh, Calvin made, like it, we don't have to point fingers for every little thing that happens. It, it's just yeah. something that happened. And, and now everybody's got to deal with the fallout. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes bad things happen and you didn't cause it. You weren't responsible for it, but you have to deal with the fallout of it. And it's unfortunate, but I think that's the situation here. 
Um, I want to pivot a little bit because I think this is an interesting conversation uh, that deserves a little bit of focus. Um, Gina, you mentioned earlier, and I know you've, you've talked about this a little bit on Twitter. Uh, the NFL has very much gotten into bed with um, multiple uh, companies that specialize in sports betting. You know, there, it's not, it is not uh, uh, a secret that the NFL very much pushes fantasy uh, and uh, they've gotten into bed with organizations that specialize in this. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because obviously Calvin is getting hit hard, uh, you know, being suspended at least a year. And again, I want to emphasize that it's, this is an indefinite suspension. Um, he's being suspended at least a year uh, for basically doing what the NFL is promoting wants their fans to do. Can you speak to that a little bit? Cause I know that's actually a very important part of this story. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It is, and I, I think that this is a question that the league is really going to have to come up with a satisfactory answer to. Um, ever since they announced that the Raiders would be moving to Las Vegas, I think everybody who watches the NFL and is aware of the rapid expansion of legalized sports betting in the U.S. has wondered, how is that going to impact the way that the league views sports betting? And the NFL going into the 2021 season signed deals with FoxBet, BetMGM, PointsBet, and WinBet, which are all legal sports books within the U.S. Um, and so they were named approved sportsbook operators. Uh, they also have sportsbook partnerships with Caesars Entertainment, with DraftKings and FanDuel. And uh, they never did really, they never publicized what the total dollar amount of those deals was going to be. But the Washington Post reported last year that they were expecting it to be around $270 million for the first year. So when you're looking at Calvin Ridley betting on his team, um, which, you know, is, uh, it makes it a little bit of a stickier situation. Sure. But when you're looking at him betting $1,500 on the Falcons and as part of a parlay, compared to $270 million that the NFL was going to make last year, you know, ostensibly off of sports betting, I do think that it's a fair question to just ask, is this, does the punishment fit the crime? And is, is this discipline, um, outdated considering how the league has embraced uh, the money-making power of sports betting. Yeah. Um, $1,500. Calvin was going to make yeah. 11 million guaranteed that that was a, a fully guaranteed number for him this year. 
he could have stepped onto the field, sprained his ankle, uh, never played a, a game, and he would have still made that full eleven million. And it's mm-hmm. well, technically, it's still on the books for whenever he's reinstated, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second. But before we go to the contract, Will, I know you know you were with the the Falcons organization for several years, um, and you were we were speaking before the podcast that. Um, the league made it clear, at least to employees like yourself, that from a betting standpoint, you know, there were strict rules and whatnot that had to be uh, in, that were in place that you guys had to adhere to. Can you speak a little bit to that to give some insight into how the NFL um, as an organization is handling the, the sort of crossover between uh, employees being the you know part of an organization that is being heavily bet on, but also in bed with those organizations that facilitate that betting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I, I think it's a really good, um, almost not flip side, but it's it's a uh, a way that maybe is a little bit of a gray area to the point that Gina just made. Where yes, financially, we're if we're looking at this from a, a business point of view the NFL's getting more in bed with, with gambling and, and it makes sense from a profit standpoint. I mean, I think it's becoming much less of a, uh, a cultural kind of taboo um, to, to talk about gambling. I mean, heck uh, like what podcast is not presented by a, uh, some sports book. Draft at this point. So, <laughs> right. Um, so I, I mean, I think that, yes, we're as a society, we are moving much more towards embracing gambling when it comes to sports that is very different from a league that relies on individuals for the integrity of the game um, to then just open access for players, coaches, you know, employees, things like that, who, you know, are actively shaping the games that, that then they bet on those games like that. That's why I think they probably delivered such a harsh penalty to Calvin in this situation, not necessarily because of the amount of money or that he was betting on his own team, or even like, even if he had probably done something way worse, uh, like, I I think that the penalty is as harsh as it was because they're trying to draw a firm line in the sand and say, this is not acceptable. And they do that. They do that in house all the time. I mean, Rich McKay is, is the president of the competition committee. I mean, like I remember him walking around, making sure that we were all doing this mandatory uh, training video, uh, you know, 15, 20 minute video on the integrity of the game, on gambling, on my role as somebody who is employed by the Atlanta Falcons to make sure that I was looking out, being diligent um, on any information that I may gain in my day to day line of work that I'm being employed to, um, you know, do and being entrusted with the information that I may gain as a part of that line of work. It was a little even more interesting being, you know, a journalist, I guess, in-house for that. Cause like that's a whole <laughs> other level of information that I'm trying to actively seek, but yeah, it, it, it's something the NFL takes very seriously, not just with its players, not just with its coaches, but anybody who could be privy or have access to that information, because this is an information business. I mean, we just wrapped up the combine, which is a, the most like paranoid place that you're going to find. And <laughs> like also just a center of information exchanging and nobody really, really knows anything. And we're all just sitting here trying to, to talk about stuff that, that we, that we do know, but like when you know, actual information that can affect the outcome of a game on Sunday, that's real, that's valuable. That's potentially worth millions of dollars. And the NFL has to just nip this in the bud. And that's why I think they're, they're kind of delivering a really harsh penalty to Calvin. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. Just as they're getting into bed with these um, betting agencies, 
they want to make sure that they at least appear to be 100% drawing lines that are firm and, and uh, that for which there's going to be severe punishments. And Calvin may simply just be the, the first one where they're finding the, the opportunity to um, make an example of him for future players, make sure that, you know, no one else crosses that line, even though, you know, as many people have pointed out, he was not with the team and uh, he was essentially uh, basically like he was on injured reserve, except, you know, it's the NFL uh, non-injury list. Um, uh, so, yeah, at this point with Calvin, uh, nothing's going to fix this. And um, Evan, I know you're, you're big on the social medias and uh, paying attention to that stuff. Calvin has had an interesting response to this so far. Um, he has sort of fired off um, quite a few tweets where uh, he has been responding to this news, not to anyone in particular, but just sort of, you know, putting his voice out there. Um, have you seen those and what are your immediate thoughts on Calvin sort of being out there on Twitter and, and sort of firing off these thoughts in the middle of like just this disastrous day for him and for the team and for fans of this team. Uh, what do you think about Calvin sort of tweeting through it right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for any athlete that might go through something, the worst thing you can do is just start tweeting. <laughs> like when you get in trouble, um, basically oh. like just looking at his Twitter um, his last tweet was, um, you know, aside from what recently happened, was in October, you know, addressing him stepping away from football. It was a good statement. Um, and then he kind of went silent and then, you know, retweeted something about Cooper Cup winning the Super Bowl. But then March 4th, um, randomly, like, started tweeting again, uh, football is life. And then one about with just a laughing emoji and one with, I learned from my L's and we're like, okay, that's <sighs> random. But then, you know, this, the news drops today. Um, and then he starts trying to kind of, I guess, explain his point. Um, I bet 1500 total. I don't have a gambling problem. Um, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I couldn't even watch football at that point. Um, just gone. Go, I guess he meant just going to be more healthy when I come back. Cause he's out for at least a year says, I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year laugh out loud. And then if you know me, you know my character. Um, yeah, I just I don't recommend tweeting in situations like this because I think it just makes it kind of more murky and not everyone understands what the exact point is. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I, I guess wants to talk more about it. Um, I guess that's not <sighs> technically a gambling problem, but when you know it's illegal for your profession, like it's kind of, it kind of is a gambling problem. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's just, it's rough. And then, you know, like me, like you were saying at the top of the show, um, it's just sad seeing the, you know, cause there's been Calvin Ridley's not the first player to ever have mental health issues and have to step away. Um, Everson Griffin did it a couple years ago or whatever. It's just sad to see mental health getting wrapped up in this, like people throwing it out there like, oh, well, he's he's, you know, all this gambling stuff like the mental health is fake. Like it, it's yeah, not yeah. like I, I don't know the situation to where I can say like, oh, yeah, it's fake or oh, no, it's not fake because I don't know Calvin Ridley. Um, but 
you can't sit there and just bash on people who are saying they have mental health issues just because an event, you know, you look at the timeline, it apparently happened, I think, for the Jacksonville game late November. He was stepped away from uh, football in, I believe, week five, which is sometime. Well, maybe actually, I guess it was like it around was, Halloween, it was ahead right? of the Panthers, the Panthers game. I remember I was going to that game. I got the yeah. text like walking uh, into the stadium, so <laughs> which that, was in October. So, yeah. right. So if there was a gambling problem or whatever, like I, some people were trying to speculate on Twitter, um, it would have been something more, you know, I think larger than getting caught by doing like technically a legal gambling app, right? For $1,500. I mean, it's it's more of a, you know, this is wrong. It doesn't matter what the amount is. Like, you're not supposed to do this. And he got caught. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, I, do, I mean. I'm so sorry. I did no, just no, want to elaborate a little bit on how he got caught. Because I think that that also oh, yes. speaks to the fact that this was an isolated incident. Otherwise, we would know. Um so the NFL partners with, uh, I just lost the tab that I had it in, give me a second. They partner with a company that actually monitors this for them. Um, so as bets were placed through the Hard Rock Sportsbook app, which is legal in South Florida where Ridley lives in the off season. And the activity was flagged because it was Calvin Ridley and it was reported to a company called Genius Sports, which is the firm that the NFL is uh, has under contract to monitor sports betting data and information for the league. And so anything that's going to be placed through a legal sports book in the U.S., I seriously doubt that offshore books are cooperative with this, but anything that's placed through a legal U.S. sports book is going to be flagged and submitted to this genius sports company, and then the league is going to know about it. So the fact that um, what they found is simply that he you know, bet $1,500 this one time in November I think that that is very likely just an isolated incident from Red Lake. Yeah. Um, although we've, we've, uh, we've seen people speculating he has a gambling problem. And I think that speculation was what led to him starting this tweet storm, um, which. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I would take that back to the, the, my same perspective on, you know, mental health issues it's really irresponsible to speculate about that. Right. And I just don't think exactly. that that's a thing that, that needs to be a part of this conversation. I think that there are a lot of elements of this that are really important to talk about. I think that speculating about that is just not one of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Corey, you're back with us. Uh, one of the things that has sort of happened in the midst of all this, um, the Falcons were over the cap. Obviously, they had to get under the cap going into the league year. They were over by about $7 million with all the futures contracts and whatnot that they had uh, signed. And the uh, this news has gotten them under the cap out of the league year. Um, to be clear, just we, uh, I believe this has been confirmed at this point. The way this is going to work is Calvin Ridley's contract is going to toll, which means this year will basically push to 2023. It'll be like this this season never happened for his contract, um, which means his fifth year option will be uh, in play for 2023. Again, assuming he is reinstated uh, from this indefinite suspension. So assuming he's reinstated, then the 11 plus million that was going to be uh, part of his uh, hit this year will hit in 2023 for the Falcons instead. That said, that means they immediately gain 11 million of cap space. And this puts them at 4 million under the cap which actually could be quite important because this means they don't have to rush 
um, to, to restructure contracts or sign, you know, guys to extensions to try to get under the cap for the league here. How important do you think uh, this is as far as playing out for the Falcons and, and the significance of that? Cause it seemed like they were up until they got word of the investigation. It seemed like they were moving towards uh, trading Ridley and that those rumors were substantiated. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? And then the, of course the cap implications of, of uh, his contract coming off the books. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where the team at least was proceeding money-wise like that $11 million wasn't going to be a thing, um, which is, you know, at least it's not like, you know, I think this is the one big thing to note in this kind of this, you know, offseason with the plans where at least they were not proceeding like Calvin Ridley was going to be a major part of this offense going forward. It seemed like that the team had in its mind, no matter what happened, that Ridley probably wasn't going to be in the organization going forward for whatever reason. Um, and I think that makes a difference now where it really hurts obviously is in terms of compensation, because right now, you know, the team could try to trade him in 2023 and get maybe like a fifth round or a sixth round pick. Like Cal- I mean, again, Calvin may never play again. I think that's really important to know. Like, yeah, that's a good the point. League, the league may just come and say like, no, cause again, like, they're going to make an example of him. And I, 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 I can go on a diatribe about the ramifications of this comparatively to like what Antonio Brown got in his paltry suspension um, for rape allegations. Uh, just there's a certain level where it's just like, you know, the league obviously is going to make this the, you know, the unforgivable sin in terms of gambling. Like this is just not something that players have been caught for much and for reason, because, you know, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack in that conversation but obviously like Ridley may never play again and this is not there may never be a trade because there may never be another day he plays now if the league says all right you know you can play again in 2023 you're probably looking at a, a fifth or a sixth round in a trade like you know that may not meet the talent but it's just going to kind of be the situation but you know i'd say going ahead i think kevin tweeted earlier that they've got like 3 million in cap space now um they're going to have to do something about the receiver room um it makes it even more important now um because now it's like you're not going to be able to bank on a draft pick through a trade that you, where you could have addressed receiver late in the first early in the second however you were able to get compensation that's now non-existent um, it, it, it does make wide receiver a bigger thing, but it may also be, and this is kind of my big sticking point right now. Um, this is a big moment for Arthur Smith to prove that he was hired to be able to elevate no matter what the roster is going to have. Um, this is a huge moment for him as a coach because, you know, when he was in Tennessee, yeah, he had Derrick Henry, but when he took over Derrick Henry, wasn't the Derrick Henry we're used to seeing. Like this is a coach who got a lot of credit in Tennessee for helping A.J. Brown get his career going. Derrick Henry uh, helped get Corey Davis back on track after he was kind of seen as a letdown um, as a first-round pick uh, in 2017. Um, he's he's going to have to do this in Atlanta if he wants to maintain this job for more than a couple of years. I mean, obviously, that was yeah. always going to be the same point with Smith was just that he was going to have to perform. Um, but, like, especially now, because it's like you have one receiver on your roster you can rely on um, in Kyle Pitts. That's it. That, that is your guy. <laughs> um and like you drafted him last year and it's like if <sighs> arthur smith is the play guy that we kind of hoped he would be coming here the team should be able to like moneyball this and maybe 
spend like a second round pick on a receiver and still get production um, that comes from the play calling and having a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan. And this may also underscore that like Ryan's importance to the team is even a little bit more now because he's, he is the best player on the offense, not named, you know, uh, Kyle Pitts right now. I mean, Matt Ryan is still an invaluable piece of this franchise because if they didn't have him, it really would be just a bottom out situation. So and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's just a lot you can say, but I feel like going ahead, the team is going to have to decide, like, are we just going to sell out on wide receiver and put a lot of investment into it? Or are we going to just kind of proceed how we were going to without a little bit less help because of no trade and just rely on our play calling head coach to be able to make the production happen with any guys? Because that's, that's what the Shanahan mold is, is I can make anybody a good player. So I, 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 I'm very curious to see how that goes. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting offseason for the Falcons. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, um, I just want to thank Dave Choate for writing an article today about how <laughs> the Falcons' quiet offseason is going to heat up soon. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> he spoke it into the universe. Could have given us a heads up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. At this point, I'm fully expecting like a Matt Ryan trade to happen tomorrow. So uh, that's, oh my that's, God. yeah, I know. Right. That's in the cards. We all know it's going to happen. Um, all right. We could, we could speak endlessly about this topic and there will certainly be additional podcasts and articles about this trade, the implications for free agency and the draft and the, the composition of this team, all of it um, at the falcoholic.com. So quickly, I want to run through ask you guys to give your, your Twitter handle if you've got one and a quick update on what you guys have going on. Start at the top, Mr. Corey Woodruff. Uh, give us the, those, those details as we close out, sir. Or not. Completely up to you. And you're muted. muted. And that's everyone's muted. Gina, why don't you... There we go. I'm here. Corey. I'm here. Great podcasting. Why? <laughs> pressing the button. And it just... Um, well, if you want to come uh, see me lament about why the Falcons are a terrible life decision on my end, uh, you can come <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Corey Woodruff 47. Um, I also tweet about movies. So, you know, if, Hey, if you want to go live in a fictional world where maybe the Falcons can win a Super Bowl, maybe I can write a screenplay someday. So who knows? We'll see. Corey real quick, the Batman yeah. worth, worth seeing in theaters. Yeah, it's really good. Um, right. You know, people have talked about how dark it is and grimy and stuff, but it's like, I've been cheering for the Falcons for a decade plus. So <laughs> it, it, nothing's as bad as that. That's way darker than any, yeah. Way darker than any Batman movie could ever be, but I encourage <laughs> it. If you need to go get your mind off of this, Batman's in theaters now. Oh, uh, excellent. Evan, uh, wrap us up with your details, sir. Um, I'm going to go see the Batman at the, top of the next hour so that's Woo-hoo! also worth noting um you can find me on twitter at evan birchfield um and just yeah go to falcon.com for great content throughout the off season um yeah so thanks for having me gina kelly remind them yes uh you can find me and my mad online tweets and pictures of my dogs at Gina Thomas on Twitter. And again, just gonna uh, reiterate that everybody should be reading the Falcoholic. There you go. Last but not least, Will McFadden. Yeah. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. I'm about to hop off this and record an emergency podcast of my own, which you can find <laughs> wherever you get your podcast. It is uh, Believe in Falcons. And my uh, 
review of the Batman, which I also saw over the weekend, is that Robert Pattinson plays Bruce Wayne like he lost a million or eleven million dollars uh, gambling <laughs> throughout that entire movie. So, um, but check it out; it's really good. Evan, I'm excited for you. Oh. I'm excited now. <laughs> uh, top-notch writers at the Falcoholic finding a way to tie in the hot movie of the moment with the Falcons. I, I love it. This is this is why we're here. Uh, as for you guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this pod at FalcoholicPod. And of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Corey Woodruff, Evan Birchfield, Gina Kelly, and Will McFadden, this is Dave Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk to you next time.